1: Terms and conditions apply. This is the Greg Peterson experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: It's hour number three of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got sort of a smorgasbord of different stuff that we're going to be hitting upon in the final hour here in the first segment. You're going to talk a little bit about MLB season wins because that season is coming up in a week and a half. The two sports I really mainly handicapped the most are college basketball and then baseball, so that's going to be a lot of fun. In the second segment, it's going to be sort of basketball potpourri. We've got one game to break down in the NIT that I did not wind up breaking down in the last hour, so I'm going to give you guys my thoughts on Washington State versus Texas Tech. We're also going to be taking a look at what we wound up getting in the NBA today as well as you wound up seeing one of the most bizarre things ever with Indiana versus Toronto playing without fans, which that's something we unfortunately wanted to be coming a little bit more used to with everything that wound up happening with COVID, but this was not COVID related. So you got a lot of that, that's going to be going on. So going to be doing that in the third segment, going to be just talking about preparing for the upcoming MLB season in general, and just preparing for a season in general, because it's not one of these things where handicapping games, you don't want to be just coming in being like, Oh yeah, I wound up reading Two articles throughout the offseason that took me 10 minutes, and that was my offseason preparation. You want to be doing a little bit more than that, so we're gonna be hitting upon it. And that's gonna be something that you're able to do for all sports. I really encourage, with regards to any sport that you wind up handicapping, whether that be the NBA, the NHL, college basketball, major league baseball, any form of football that you don't just wind up taking if there's a five month offseason. You don't wind up taking off four months and 29 days, jump into it the night before and think, oh boy, I am all good to go. You want to be taking a little bit more of a look at that. So, we're going to be diving into some of those things. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys what I'd like for the Elite Eight coming up on Sunday as well. So, we've got a lot that is on tap here in the final hour. But how about if we wind up taking a look at some season wins out there in Major League Baseball? Wound up giving out a feed yesterday out there in the American League. Wound up talking about. I think that the White Sox at 92 are a little bit too high. end. these are all by the South point by, by the way, if you're looking at the high water marks out there in the American League, 92 and a half is the top mark for both the blue Jays and the Houston Astros. From there, you got the White Sox at 92 and then Yankees clock in at 91 and a half. The Rays are at 90 and a half. Then you've got the Mariners at 84 and a half. Angels find themselves at 84. You've got the Red Sox also find themselves at 84. The Minnesota Twins, they've got a season win total of 80 and a half. The Tigers are at 78 and a half. And then from there, you've got the Guardians at 76. The Royals at 75. The Texas Rangers at 74 and a half, 69 and a half for the Oakland A's, which it's been amazing to see how they've been just fire sailing everything. And then the poopy Baltimore Orioles find themselves at 62 and a half wins head boy it's hard to take a look at the Baltimore Orioles other than an under though I will say if you wind up having Adelie Rushman wind up getting rushed up to the big leagues and if you wind up having some of these guys that they've been drafting over the last few years you might be able to get 64 wins i mean this is something that you don't really want to be taking either way in my opinion because i actually do see a path to the baltimore orioles being able to get to 63 wins but it depends upon the organization actually valuing winning and well we've seen it with the baltimore orioles they are unwilling to spend any money whatsoever i mean it's just been a complete and utter joke of an organization i'm sure anyone from the biggest baltimore orioles hater to the biggest baltimore orioles lover can tell you about that i mean you just take a look at it and Right now, they're starting rotation, and they've got two guys our day today. John Means, who I think he's got some upside, but John Means is right now the ace of your rotation. Jordan Lyles, who wanted just giving up home runs left, right, and sideways. Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on the end of Zimmerman. Zach Lothar and Keegan Aiken. Boy, that's not good. That's not good at all. So that's one in which you don't want to be taking your chances on, but. We were talking about it a little bit earlier with our good friend Josh Showers in the first hour. The fact that the Detroit Tigers might have a little bit of value, and I do agree with him. You may recall yesterday I was talking about how I felt like the White Sox were a little bit overvalued because I feel like the rest of the American League Central is undervalued, and you take a look at a lot of these teams, and they've at the very least been able to put out there a competitive product. Even the Kansas City Royals, who I don't think that they've gotten necessarily the world's greatest outlook. At the very least, it's not a team that is completely failing and saying that is completely flailing and saying, you know what? We're not going to care whatsoever. They wound up signing Andrew Benatendi last offseason. They brought in someone like a Michael A. Taylor. They've been able to retain Salvador Perez. They've got a couple up-and-coming arms as well. They want to be signing Zach Granke now. Zach Greinke just doesn't have anything left in the tank. I don't think that it's going to be a great season for him, but Carlos Hernandez was a very good story for this team. Brad Keller as a five-guy. He pitches very well at home on the road. He gives up a lot more than he does at home. Something like 0.3 home runs per nine innings is what he's giving up at home. But the problem is he walks like five guys per nine innings as well. You got a bullpen that is not necessarily terrible with the Orioles either, or the Royals either. Amir Garrett comes in. He's able to give you a little bit of stability. Domingo Tapia, Joel Payampas. These guys actually had some moments of brightness last season. So you take a look at the entire American League Central and... I think that you've got a little bit of value there. I know it hasn't necessarily been wise, but I think that the Tampa Bay Rays might be due in for a little bit of regression this year just because you take a look at the entirety of the division. And aside from our good friends, the poopy Baltimore Orioles, where are these wins going to be coming from? And with regards to the pitching in general, it is a little bit of a question mark because with the race, if you take a look at their advanced analytics, they got a little bit lucky on offense last season. So I do think that the race who are a top five team with regards to run scored last season, I think that you're gonna be experiencing a little bit of a fall off. They are a team that they do have quite a few guys that they're gonna take their swings and misses. The Royals or the race are a team that was in the top five with regards to strikeout rate last season. Now Juan Franco is absolutely amazing. This guy is going to be around for a long time. Randy Arena, We all remember what he wound up doing in the 2020 postseason as well. And when healthy, Austin Meadows is a top 20 bet in the league. But with that said, you do take a look at the fact that they're banking on Corey Kluber being able to give them good innings. And that is not a place where you want to be because you saw it with Corey Kluber last year. He wound up actually pitching an O-hitter. He wound up having the 5-3 and record with a 3.83 ERA. And once he wound up getting healthy towards back half of the season, he was able to deliver some solid innings for the Yankees, but took him a little bit to get going. Once he did wind up getting going after a few starts, he winds up getting injured. That's just something that you don't want to be banking on. The 35-year-old Corey Kluber is just a guy that he's got potential. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? That's a big question mark. And with Drew Rasmussen, he's their number three starter. I actually really liked what I saw out of him. He was someone that actually began the year last season as a reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers actually wound up, in my opinion, that was a trade that r- really worked out for both teams because that was William Thomas going from the Rays to the Brewers. And then in return, the Rays were able to get Drew Rasmussen. This is one of these rare circumstances in which I feel like both teams wound up winning the trade because William Thomas was one of the best players in the entire National League for the Milwaukee Brewers, whenever he was healthy. And then Drew Rasmussen has become a relatively solid starter here for the um, Tampa Bay Rays as well. And the Tampa Bay Rays, what is both a blessing and a curse for them is that they've got a guy, Kevin Cash, that coaches every single game as if it is the last game that his team is ever going to play. That works out very well in the regular season because you know that the tampa bay rays are always invested in your money line ticket and you know that they're going to be going out there there is not going to be really a lot of resting of guys or anything like that they are just going full steam ahead but with that said because of this as well you're going to see them winding up pulling guys way too stinking early in games as well and you're going to be like what in the world he wanted giving up like two hits in three innings and now we wind up going to the bullpen whoop he's so it is a case of which it is going to be interesting to see how that winds up playing out. But you saw a lot of guys that I feel like performed a little bit over their heads last season. They no longer have Nelson Cruz was a big offseason acqui- or a midseason acquisition for them. And you've got to question whether or not someone like a Mike Zanino wound up having 33 home runs last season is going to be able to duplicate that. It's a Tampa Bay race team that they really do rely upon having some very good power from a lot of these guys. And, I just think that the question is, are they going to be able to duplicate that? And I think the answer is no. So I do think that the Rays at 90 and a half are a little bit too lofty. I still think that they're the third best team in this division. I do think that the Red Sox are going to have a little bit of a fall from last season because you do wind up losing Eduardo Rodriguez and you still got to have question marks when it comes to the pitching of the Boston Red Sox. Chris Sale, who knows what you're going to be able to get out of him. When he wanted returning last season, you could tell that it wasn't vintage Chris Sale, but at the same time, It was an okay form of Chris Sale. Is he going to be able to be what he was a few years ago? Is he going to look like the Chris Sale of last year? That is a big, giant question mark. Tanner Houck is something I really like, but whenever you wind up bringing up this guy, Michael Walker, that's a guy that should not be in a starting rotation. That is going to be terrible. Nick Pavetta was all over the place as well. The bullpen, it is all over the place. They bring in Jake Diekman, but Enzo Robles is a guy that was completely erratic last season. You wind up having just some big giant overachievers in general out of that bullpen as well. So that is going to be interesting because Garrett Whitlock was absolutely um.
1: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Amazing for that last season. And you can tell that from his advanced analytics, he certainly was not able to do quite that, but now you bring in Trevor story as well. So if you're looking for a big giant over team. You've got that with the Boston Red Sox and I think that's going to be also very intriguing to see what you wind up getting out of some of these teams out West as well, because I do think that the Seattle Mariners, while they got incredibly lucky last season, I, mean, this team won every single one run game, humanly imaginable, they had a run differential of nearly negative 50. and still want to make it the post and still want up almost making the postseason. I think this could be the year in which they want to take some strides forward because this is a team that they've got a relatively solid bullpen, which allowed them to be able to win a lot of those close games. They were a team that was terrible at the dish, but you've got to keep in mind that they wound up having quite a few guys that were injured. Kyle Lewis, who was the rookie of the year in 2020. You've got to expect him to be able to come back. Ty France has been able to give the team some good production and, the trade in which they wound up giving up Kendall Graveman didn't yield them a guy in Abraham Toro that I'm very bullish on. They made a good offseason acquisition to be able to help them be able to get on base a little bit more often in Adam Frazier as well, a guy that hit over 300 last season. So I do think that there's a little bit of an upside with regards to the Seattle Mariners win total as well. So that's a place I'm going to be taking a look at. And coming up next, we're going to be hitting pretty much all forms of basketball right here on V-CEN Esports Bank Network. Seen Hoops Peterson himself on v
1: the Sports Betting Network.
0: Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every single day, you're able to choose from Wendy's stack lineup like the Breakfast Baconator, croissant combos, and hot and cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, Perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and it's simply OJ to be able to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely and choose Wendy's, as it is a great Peterson experience right here on VSA and the Sports Bank Network. Truth be told, I am not at all a UFC handicapper by any stretch of the imagination. I'm taking a look at the this Dekisi versus Borshev fight. I hope I am pronouncing both of those gentlemen correctly. I just took a look at the two guys and I said, bet on Mark. So that goes to show why I don't, why I'm talking much about UFC on this show. So that is my handicap there because I just took a look at both of those guys. And I said, you know what? Mark looks ready to fight and the other guy doesn't. So that is why you're not going to be able to get a lot of UFC on this show. And I'm pretty sure that Mark is probably going to go down in a fiery heap here in the next few minutes. So, That is hopefully a little bit of entertainment for you guys there. But with that said, what I do handicap a little bit more of is college basketball. And I think that we're going to have a rambunctious next few days of college basketball, because obviously you've got the elite eight that going to be wrapping up on Sunday. But with that said, we've got a couple off the beaten path tournaments as well. One, we'll depending up upon the St. Bonaventure versus Xavier game in the previous hour. And if you want to missing that, slash podcast. We've got you all covered there. But how about if we take a look at this other game that's going to be going down in Madison Square Garden? That would be 649, 650 Texas AM and Washington State. This game opened up a pickup. Now you're finding Texas AM as a one and a half point favorite. And your total on this game it is anywhere between 133 and 134. And it's really intriguing because I do think that if you wind up getting this up to a two or greater and we've seen a couple twos wind up popping at DraftKings. This has been a relatively stagnant line recently that you do have a little bit of value on Washington State. I wound up saying Texas A&M as a one and a half point favorite personally. And with regards to Washington State, the team is going to need to really look to get the job done on defense. This has been one of the best teams with regards to just being able to lock down in all of college basketball. They're a team that is in the top 30 with regards points a lot on a per-possession basis. And then you take a look at this Washington State team. It's been a team that's had a little bit of a struggle to get things going on offense. They don't necessarily turn the ball over a lot, but they you know, shoot right around 33.5% from three-point range. And I feel like Texas A&M is sort of in the same vein. Texas A&M, a team that they you know, shoot right around 32.5% from three-point range. But the reason why I did wind up setting... Texas A&M in the spot as a slight favorite. You take a look at their home and road splits. At home, they've been shooting right around 29.8% from three-point range in a road and neutral court environment. It's more around 36% from distance, and it's a Texas A&M team that has a relatively solid depth. Now, Marcus Williams has been away from the team. I think that it's been sort of a blend of personal reasons, along with some discipline. It's been a big, giant mystery as to why he's been out of the fold. The gentleman that wanted transferring in, from wyoming but he has been out of the fold for the scene but you've noticed a lot of guys being able to step up and this is still a team that even without him in the fold you wind up having pretty much nine different guys that are able to give you 10 plus minutes for this team so depth is going to be on the side of texas a and m in this game and i do think that quentin jackson is someone that should not be taken lightly 14 and a half points he's able to bury right around 34 and a half percent of his threes and you just take a look at the texas a and m team among their top six scores they're going to be available in this game Five of them generate at least a seal per contest. So these guys are able to do a relatively solid job there. Now, when it comes to rebounding, they do a good job of being able to rebound by committee, even though you only really have two guys. They give you more than, I'll call it what it is, four rebounds per game. Henry Coleman and Tyrese Radford. These two guys combined for 22 points, right around 12 and a half rebounds per game. And they're going up against a Washington state team that they're sort of cut from the same cloth. And that got a Washington state team that got Mohammed Gay, who's now back in the fold. He's been dealing with a few injuries. He's been relatively solid down low. A guy that's able to give you right around seven and a half points, five rebounds per game. And F.E. Obadishi has been able to chip in their five and a half rebounds per game as well. But with Washington state, where the team has really been able to excel on defenses, not really been one specific area, just being able to cause a lot of pressure on teams. They allow opponents to shoot right around 31% from three, from two-point range. They're right around 75th in the country, but they do a nice job of being able to get turnovers, 14 per contest. Texas A&M, they turn the ball for quite a bit themselves, a little bit over 13 per contest, but they do a good job of being able to generate turnovers themselves. Texas A&M, with regards to turnovers force on a per-possession basis, this is a team that they rank in the top 20 in all of college basketball. Washington State has been able to do a good job of being able to control the ball and I would say that if you're looking for a headline score for this game, it is Michael Flowers. Flowers has come in from Western Michigan along with South Alabama and it's been tremendous for the team. 14 and a half points, three and a half boards, three and a half assists. Guy that's been able to shoot right around 36 percent from three-part range. He shoots 86 percent at the free throw line. Tyrell Ghost Roberts has come in from the San Diego Tritons. And after sitting out last season, he's been solid. He's been able to shoot 94 percent at the free throw line, but able will be a double-figure scorer. But you do take a look at Michael Flowers on the stretch, and he is a guy that can be a little bit streaky with regards to his scoring, which is why I don't necessarily have as much faith in Washington State because I do trust in the defense a little bit more of Texas AM. But down the stretch, he has actually been very tremendous for the team. You take a look at it ever since they wanted to play against Washington towards back out of the season. So last nine games, he has been able to give you at least double figures in all but two of those contests, averaging 17 and half points, shooting 40% from three-point range, 86% at the free line. And it's a guy that has really been able to do some of his best work went away from home as well. This is someone that throughout the season at home wound up having a little bit of a struggle with things as with regards to three-point shooting percentage at home, that was more around 35.5%. In Truro games, he shot 43% from three-point range. So he's a guy that's able to be a little bit of a gamer. But I just take a look at the mindset of both of these teams. You've got a pair of coaches that I actually really like. Buzz Williams, I think, is doing a solid job over there at Texas A&M. You want up seeing them peak towards the end of the season. And then you've got Nerdball that's going on in Washington State. Kyle Smith has been able to do a good job. of be able to rebuild sort of this program as well. But... The big reason why I'm not in on this Washington safe team, you just expected more out of Noah Williams this year. He wound up having some off-the-court issues with regards to legal problems. And then on the court, 9.5 points, 3 rebounds, shot sub-30% from 3-point range. Andre Yakmovsky. his usage has been very strange because when he winds up getting minutes, I always like what I see out of the kid from North Macedonia, but either wise, it giving you like 30 minutes or 10 it's just very random they don't wind up letting them get into a lot of rhythm and with texas a&m they're a team that they just utilize their full rotation of guys they do a great job of being able to cut off the three-point arc as well so i do think that this is a case in which texas a&m is going to be able to get the job done Set my line at 1.5, so I'm going to let this settle in a little bit more. If we wind up seeing this get to 2 or north of that, we take a look at Washington State. If we wind up seeing this come off of 1.5, then I'm going to be taking a little bit more of a look at the Aggies as this wound up opening up in a couple of places, more of a pick-and-price. And I'm and saying my total at 132 and a half. You may recall in the last hour I talked about how... Three-point shooting just goes to die MS Madison Square Garden. And you find that in a lot of neutral court games as well. You just take a look at what we've seen in the NCAA tournament. Nine out of the last 10 games in the NCAA tournament have wound up going under the total. The lone game since the Sweet 16 that has gone over was that Texas Tech versus Duke game. So we certainly have been seeing it in a lot of these postseason tournaments. I think that you're going to be seeing sort of the same tune here. So looking at it under in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at washington state if we wind up getting north of two if we wind up seeing a little bit of a dip that's going to cause me to be on the side of texas a&m a little bit more and if you're taking a look at the nba as well it's been really intriguing what we've been able to get the last few weeks if you have been taking the advice of myself and i don't give a ton of nba advice but i always say that the la lakers are a relative solid feed well that's been very good for you this season and we are seeing one game just going final a battle of shall we say drags out there in the nba The Houston Rockets are currently up by a count of 115 to 98. This one is going to be going comfortably under the total and the Houston Rockets are going to be able to get there as closing seconds are just ticking off, but it's been really intriguing to take a look at NBA totals all season long because many of you guys recall first month of the season with all the rule changes that we wound up seeing, it was just an underpalooza. You wound up having North of 60% of games go under the total in the first month or so of the season. It's really been able to iron itself out and it, in my opinion, just goes to show how good bookmakers are at being able to adjust sides, at being able to adjust totals, because even with that just absolute Herculean run that we've seen on unders at the beginning part of the season, as it stands right now, 548 NBA games have gone under the total. 545 have went over the total. I think that you've had something like 18 or 19 pushes along the way, but certainly we have seen a just absolutely great run adjustment by these bookmakers at being able to shade these totals and being able to get this a little bit more in line and if you just take a look at the last 30 days in general because i feel like every single portion of the nba season has its own ebbs and flows a little bit earlier on in the season when things were just getting going you would to see a nice run on underdogs and right now you're still seeing a relatively solid run on underdogs over the last 30 days 114 105 and three against the spread but you have been noticing that a lot of the teams that you'd expect to be coming to the forefront a little bit more, they have been the Brooklyn Nets. After they wound up having a relatively rough start to the season, they've been able to find themselves a little bit more with the Lakers. And this is just a team that they shouldn't have been ranked as highly as they were at the beginning of the season. But you've got to like what you're seeing out of these teams, like the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So I think that that's going to be intriguing to take a look at moving forward. And obviously the mandate being lifted in the state of New York and should be able to provide a little bit more value on the Brooklyn Nets. So they've been probably, in my opinion, just a little bit overpriced in the futures market in general and something that is not overrated. Taking a look at sports when it comes to the offseason and getting prepped for upcoming seasons. I'm going to be talking about how you should be going about this next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network.
1: himself on v the sports Betting
0: network look your best and draft to your best with just for men the march basketball season draft a winning lineup in two free-to-play contests for your shot at a share of ten thousand dollars in total prizes head over to draftkings.com slash jfm now to be able to join in on the action terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply See DraftKings.com for details, as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSEN, the Sports Bank Network, and I mentioned it a little bit before on the other side. Sometimes when it comes to bets, bets are won, for example, in college basketball in February and March. They're not necessarily won in February and March. They're done through being able to put in the work in the offseason. We're finding this in baseball right now. Right now, baseball, it's starting to get gassed up. It's going to be starting up in two weeks, and I thought that this would be a good time to just talk about just preparing for an upcoming season. I know that many of you guys are going to be doing this with regards to the football season as well. And when it comes to the NFL especially, you wind up having more resources than any other sport. But really, all these sports, you do wind up having a bevy of resources to be able to get prepped up for the upcoming season. I just want to talk about it, and I do think that this really applies to all sports. No matter what you wind up handicapping, you always want to be just staying in tune with regards to your sport. Now, when it comes to something like preparing for the upcoming NFL season, it's not a case of which you need to go eight hours every single day. Every single week, you're spending at least 40 hours putting in work, handicapping things, and taking a look at every single thing. If you want to go on a family trip for a few days, winding up just leaving it at the wayside for a little bit of time, that's absolutely fine. But I think that just staying in a little bit of rhythm is very key, just being able to even take a look at some of the news and notes when it comes to like trades. If you wind up looking at the NFL, those of you guys that wind up handicapping college football, for instance, the transfer portal is pretty much the form of that. And I do think that that is very important to take a look at. Like in baseball this year, you're going to have some rule changes. We were mentioning a few of them with Josh Showers. The fact that you wind up having the rosters expand from 26 to 28 in the opening month means that you are going to have a couple teams that. They're going to have expanded bullpens. If you wind up seeing a team playing like a 12 inning game the night before really diving into their bullpen, they're not in as rough of shape as you wind up seeing the previous year. That is something that you want to be taking into account with regards to your handicapping. When it comes down to a team to a sport like college basketball, I've already started a little bit my prep work with regards to the off because you wind up having last year, it was like 1700 names in the transfer portal. Now, you don't, like I said, if you wind up taking a couple days off at some point, you're going to be unlike me. But trust me, you probably do want to be taking a couple days off. There are very, very few people that, with regards to their mental health, they can just go through it every single day, winding up just plowing through, just taking a look at every single guy. But if you wind up trying to do all that, like the week before the season, looking at 1,700 guys that want to transferring out of a program where they're all going to, going to be a nightmare just like in major league baseball if you wind up trying to take a look at every single one of these offseason moves, trying to figure it all out coupled with the fact that now you've got an expanded playoff you've got a little bit of expanded rosters towards beginning part of the season you were not going to have the ghost runner now you're going to have the ghost runner in extra innings which that's a dumbest thing ever i could do like a full hour on why the ghost runner is like the worst thing to ever happen in major league baseball i digress so the only person likes that is casper the friendly ghost but I do think that it is something that you certainly do want to be taking a look at, but the biggest thing that you want to be doing with regards to everything is just trying to take a look at what you want to see the previous year. Now, sometimes when it comes to prospects, it's a little bit more difficult. Like you're trying to project forward on someone like a Spencer Torkelson, for instance, if you're handicapping college football, take a look at how a guy wanted performing in high school and how they're going to be progressing to college. It's one of the hardest things to do. Like for me, When it regards handicapping any sport, it's really hard to take a look at how a pitcher from AAA is going to perform at the major league level, how a guy that is really tearing it up at the high school scene is going to be able to do his freshman year in college basketball. That, in my opinion, is always going to be a tough thing. You just want to do your best. As we know, when it comes to sports betting, 52.38% on a minus 110 spread is able to get you to the window you want to be trying to probably get on more than like 52.38% of your handicaps on some of these up and coming players, regardless of the sport. But if you wind up missing a few, guess what bookmakers, they have to do the same thing that you do as well. They're going to miss on a few as well. I mean, the bookmakers, they do an absolutely tremendous job across all sports. I laid it out for you in the last segment, how good they've been at being able to adjust on these NBA totals. With that said, that doesn't mean that they wind up hitting every single game. Like, I mean, Southern Utah versus Portland, for instance, if you're looking at college basketball, that's a game that it wound up opening up in a mid-150s total. It wound up actually rising, and it wound up going more than 10 points under the total. I mean, you're going to find hits. You're going to find misses with every single handicapper. With bookmakers, you're going to find it with analysis, talking heads on the radio. Everyone has hits. Everyone has misses. The biggest thing is not getting too high over one of those hits not getting too low on one of those misses, trying to keep it even keel, continuing to trust in the process if you've had success. If you've had absolutely no success betting a sport like, for instance, golf, well, you probably want to be changing up your approach. If you are someone that you've had a lot of success handicapping the NFL, you wind up having a little bit of a rough week one or something like that. That doesn't mean that you have to abandon ship, maybe take a look at where things wind up going wrong and. I do think that it's so important as well to take a look at your previous year's results. Take a look. Okay, this is what I did well. This is maybe what I need to improve on and wind up going from there as well. Because if you wind up, say, having 30 underbets during the NFL season, we're just throwing out there an arbitrary number at this point. But if you wind up having 30 under bets during the NFL season, for instance, and you wind up having just all of them be due to teams that they wanted up throwing a little bit more than you thought that they were going to. They were able to exploit a bunch of secondaries. Maybe that's something that you want to address. Meanwhile, if you take a look at those results and it's like, oh, five of those unders wound up getting torched in the final play due to Hail Marys. Or you wound up having the good old pitchy pitchy woo woo or something like that. And it's sort of like an anomaly then you take a look at that as well, and you don't want to be overreacting as well. It's more important than just taking a look at the wins and losses to take a look at how they wind up happening, because typically the how is how you're able to be able to project forward. It's sort of like a math problem. If you wind up being able to do like long division, for instance, the process of being able to get that number is actually more important than the number itself, because maybe you wind up getting lucky on one problem. You were able to write down the correct answer, that doesn't necessarily do you a lot of good moving forward. If you have no idea what the process is, you wind up getting a different equation and you wind up just completely screwing it up and it's done. You absolutely no good whatsoever as well. So I think that that's important to take a look at, like with regards to my MLB handicapping right now, what I'm doing is a lot of taking a look at how guys wanted performing in the second half in comparison to the first half and trying to find out, okay, was the second half a little bit of an anomaly? Was the first half a little bit of an anomaly? Should I be able to split the difference as well? And maybe there was a younger guy that wanted coming up to the major leagues. Was a September call-up. He wound up having a hot month. Is it something that's going to be sustainable? Is it something that is not? You also want to be taking a look at some of these advanced analytics as well. Not just with regards to, like, for instance, college basketball, the amount of points scored, but more or less the points allowed on a per-possession basis. With regards to baseball, Right now, something that I'm taking a look at is ERA in comparison to fielding independent. And if you wind up finding a big giant gap, why was that gap there? Was it maybe because the pitcher was in a bad ballpark, like Eduardo Rodriguez, for instance? We were talking about this gentleman a little bit earlier on the show with Josh Showers. He wound up having an ERA north of a 4 5 last year with the Boston Red Sox. Now he goes to the Detroit Tigers, a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly environment than Fenway was. He wound up having a massive split between his fielding independent as compared to his ERA, a guy that wound up doing a nice job of being able to cut down on the walks from the last time he wound up playing a full season in 2019. That's someone that I'm able to say, okay, I think that he's going to be able to progress this year. I think that things are going to get a little bit better for him moving forward. You've got other guys that maybe it's like, all right, he wanted up batting like a 310, but didn't wind up drawing any walks whatsoever. Maybe he's going to see a little bit of a dip with his on-base percentage. And there are sometimes just anomalies with regards to this. Like, for instance, you've got a pair of guys in Javi Baez and Tim Anderson. They always wind up putting up some relatively solid offensive numbers, but they aren't guys that necessarily do the world's greatest job of getting deep into the pitch count. They just sort of are what they are but a lot of these other guys that they wind up going pitch first pitch swinging they don't have a lot of success with it that's something that you want to be taking a look at as well and then on top of that with regards to something like we're seeing with the expanded playoff in the mlb that's something that you want to be taking a look at especially if you've got season win totals thinking all right if this team is able to just stay merely in the hunt, they're more likely to take on the mindset of the Atlanta Braves from last season, who many people thought that they should have been sellers at the trade deadline and said that they and said they were buyers. Now that you wind up having a few more spots open for the postseason, because it winds up going from the 10 that we wound up having last season to 12. Now you're able to feel a little bit better about these teams. You know that they're not necessarily going to tank it, and you've got a case in which you want to be taking a look at pro sports and college sports a little bit differently from that vein as well because with college sports, as we know, there's no trade deadline. So you're not going to wind up seeing like 19 point per game score from Dartmouth wind up getting like ousted halfway through the season as well so that's only something that you want to take a look at just a few things that i wind up taking a look at when it comes to my off-season handicapping regardless of the sport college basketball mlb List goes on and on so hopefully those were some helpful tips for you and in the final segment gonna give you guys what i like on the sunday college basketball card that's right here on the greg peterson experience on the Sports bank network
1: On V-CIN, the sports betting network.
0: This is the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience right here on Vsin, the sports betting network. And after myself, you got a nice little best of of everything that we've seen this week on Vsin. So we've got you guys all fired up, and we're gonna have you covered all throughout Sunday here on visa and I'll be joining Mark Zeno at 5:30 a.m. Pacific 8:30 30 a.m. Eastern time to be able to break down these elite eight games, all what we're seeing in college basketball. So have no fear. My streak of not sleeping is going to be extending to about its millionth straight day. So, we got you guys all covered there. It's going to be absolutely tremendous what we're going to be seeing. And in the final segment, just going to give you guys what I like with regards to the college basketball betting board for this Sunday. It's going to get started with the game that I've actually written up for DK Nation in 645, 646. This is the Elite Eight game out there in Chicago, Illinois, between Miami and Kansas. Miami opened up in actually a few places. You want to see at DraftKings. They were at eight-point underdog on the open. That wound up getting moved very, very quickly to a six and a half. And now you're finding mostly six to the board. And total is in a lot of places a 147. Seeing a couple 147 halves out there as well. And for the DK Nation pick, wound up going with the total in this game. We've just seen so many unders in this college basketball tournament at. And we're going to be going back to the well. We have seen one. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100 percent sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view.
1: That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
0: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you
1: listen. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Overhits since the beginning of the Sweet 16. Now, we should have probably seen too with that Arkansas versus Duke game that we wanted up witnessing on Saturday, but it is what it is. We've had one over since the beginning of the Sweet 16. And got a Miami team that they don't necessarily press the tempo very much. They're a team that they rank right around 225th. In all of college basketball, in terms of possessions per game, and then you take a look at this Kansas team, and they've really been able to play their best defense. You take a look at them, 68 points or fewer Give it up in seven out of the last eight games, and I think that's no coincidence that it's really ever been ever since Remy Martin has been able to find himself a little bit more in the fold for this team. You just take a look at his progression the last few games, a guy that was really a McD- or a All-American candidate coming into the season, a guy that averaged. 19 points, a little bit over a seal for assists per contest at Arizona State. And he's really been able to up the play for Kansas. It is the reason why I do like this team to be able to cut down the nets and win the whole shebang. Remy Martin, 0-2-5-10-12, then up to 15-20. 23 points that is his scoring progression over the last month or so he has been absolutely amazing for this Kansas team gives them another dimension helps them out on defense has been very good on offense you've also got a Kansas team that they're good at being able to hit the glass David McCormick coupled with Jalen Wilson are able to combine to be able to give you 14 and a half rebounds per game and you're not going to see a lot of second chances in this game got a Miami team that with regards to offensive rebound rate merely the amount of misses that you wind up getting a second chance on they wind up grabbing an offensive rebound on 18.7% of their misses in a road and neutral court environment. They rank 31st in the country with that regard. And, and take a look at Kansas. They have also been tremendous on the interior. Opponents are shooting 36.5% from within the arc in the NCAA tournament against them. That's one of the best marks that you're going to be able to find. So. Kansas has been able to do a great job on defense. Miami is a team that they don't necessarily play fast in Miami. They haven't been able to hit threes to save their lives, which means that they're going to have to go inside. They're 13 of 55 from three point range in the NCAA tournament. Kansas, meanwhile, in their last 13 games, opponents are shooting 29.7% from three point range. What is going to be able to keep Miami live in this game though, is that for one, they don't turn the ball over. This is a team that they commit right around nine and a half turnovers for contest. That is in the top 10 in all of college basketball, and they generate steals. This is a team that, with regards to steals force on a per possession basis, they are number nine in all of college basketball, though this is a team that they wind up being a little bit lax on defense or outside of the top 175 with regards points a lot on a per possession basis. They are a bunch that they do a very solid job of being able to generate those steals that should be able to take the air out of the sales of Kansas a little bit more. And it is a Kansas team that they could be a little bit at or miss from three point range. Christian Braun is somebody like 14 and a half points, six half rebounds at O'Shea Obaji as been able to do it all season long and O'Shea Obaji, We talk about the offensive numbers, 19 points per game shoots in the neighborhood about 39% from three point range. One of the best on ball defenders that you're gonna find in all of college basketball as well. I think that Kansas is giving themselves a fighting chance of being able to win the NCAA tournament with the way that their defense is playing. Miami is maybe do a better job as well, giving up seventy points or fewer in now four out of their last five games. It is a spot in which I think that Kansas is gonna be able to get to the final four. They've had a little bit of a tough time being able to cover games, so. I did wind up factoring that in a little bit as well i did wind up setting my total in this spot at a 146 with regards to the total so i'm going to be looking under especially with miami having only one guy giving you more than five rebounds per game that would be jordan miller who winds coming in from george mason 10 points six rebounds per game that's really been a nice act factor for the scene but you need a little bit more inside both kansas been struggling a little bit from three-point range. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a slog for them to be able to get a ton of offense in a game against a Miami team that plays a little bit slower. So DK Nation pick is going to be on the total, and I'm going to be riding with the under and with Kansas. Set them as a five-point favorite, so seeing mostly sixes, going to be taking a look at the points. And then you've got the other game, and it is one of the toughest games ever to handicap because we have just never seen a situation like it. How about if we wind up going with our good friends of Peacocks of St. Peter's as they wind up taking on North Carolina? This is 643-644 on the betting board, and this is going to be the late game on the slate. Right now, you're finding North Carolina in a lot of spots as an 8.5-point favorite. Right now, DraftKings is pretty much the lone soldier who is holding on to an 8 at this point, and your total on this game fighting anywhere between 137 and 137 half. Now, I did wind up saying my total at a 137, but just with the way that the NCAA tournament is going, I'm going to be seeking out a 137 half to be able to take it under, but at a 137, I'd be taking the under before I'd be taking a look at the over because, once again, goes back to what I've been saying about these unders. One over has hit since the beginning of the Sweet 16? And if you want to go even further with the first half, I'm not necessarily a first half, second half better. I'm a little bit more of a full game guy. I always prefer to have the full 40 minute sample over a 20 minute sample, but we have seen one first half over hit since the beginning of the Sweet 16, and that, ironically enough, was in that Arkansas versus Duke game that we wanted witnessing a few hours ago. So it certainly is a case in which. Scoring has been down in the NCAA tournament. The moment gets a little bit more tense. You wind up getting into bigger arenas. And the first thing to wind up going in these games is jump shooting. When you wind up getting tense situations as well, teams typically like to slow down a little bit more. So you've got a handicap there. And with North Carolina defense still relatively dreadful. They're right around 145th ish with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis. But they're going up against a peacock team that has been actually tremendous on defense. Top 15 in the country with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis. And then on top of that, what St. Peter's does a great job of, they take away the three-point arc. This is a team that they rank right around 16th to 17th, depending upon your metric in terms of opponents' three point shooting percentage, opponents in a road and neutral card environment shoot 29.9% from three point range against them. They've got the leading shot blocker in all of college basketball from last year in Casey Undefu. I like what he's able to bring to the table for this team. You've got St. Peters with the Drames in Hassan and Fusani Drame. were able to give you a combined 12 rebounds per game. Now, Armando Bayco is going to be able to have a day for himself down low. A guy that's able to give you 16 and a half points, 12 and a half boards, right around two blocks per contest. I love Love what he's able to bring to the table for the team, but Caleb Love, who's able to hit so many of those big shots against UCLA, I think that he's going to be guarded a little bit more from the outside. That is going to be able to keep the St. Peter's team live. And with St. Peter's, though they are the 15 seed. They arguably use the deepest rotation of any team in the entirety of the tournament. That's still remaining. Doug Edert is a guy that winds coming in off the bench. Looks like he should be playing the role that Michael Sarah wound having from super bad. Only he's got a mustache, but guy is able to ball out. He's been able to give you right around 10 points per contest. It's a St. Peter's team, in which a hole is greater than the sum of its parts. Daryl banks, the third is the only guy that gives you more than 11 points per game. And he gives you a mere 11 half points per contest. And, St. Peter's, it's an interesting team with regards to free throw shooting percentage because overall for the year, they shoot right around 69.5% at the charity stripe. but you take a look at what they've been able to do here in the NCAA tournament, it's been better because their guards all shoot like 80% of the free throw line and their big men shoot like 60% of the free throw line, so it's a big, giant disparity there. With North Carolina, you have also got a disparity with regards to their three-point shooting home to road. Overall for the year, North Carolina's been able to shoot 36.3% from three-point range, but at home in Chapel Hill, 39% in a road and neutral court environment. That's more around 34% from distance. And this is a St. Peter's team that they've been a little bit of a sizzler from three point range themselves. A team that they shoot right around 34.8% from three point range in a road and neutral court environment. 36% 36% from three, more like 32.5% in their friendly confines. So it's a St. Peter's team that they do a relatively solid job with that regard. And the main kryptonite for St. Peter's, they are 295th in the country with regards to turnovers on a per possession basis. Right around 20% of their turnovers, and or right around 20% of their possessions, end in a turnover. They're going up against a North Carolina team that out of 350, 18-win team teams in terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis and a road and neutral court environment, bottom 10 in all of college basketball. You've got just such an interesting handicap. Do you wind up going with the team with the better metrics or the team with the ultimate momentum of ultimate momentum? I set this line at eight. I'm seeing a lot of eight and halfs. and a half. I'm going to wind up taking the points with St. Peter's. I just can't fade this story. I don't think that they wind up getting to the final four, but we've said that... We've counted this team out all season long, all tournament long. Why bet against the second best team in against the spread record in all of college basketball? I'm taking the points, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under. And coming up next here, right here on Veasan, you have got a nice little bit of a best of as it's been the Greg Peterson experience right here on V-Cent Esports Bang Network. This.